All right, you guys ready for the word? All right. So um, I have a question. How many of you guys have uh, watched any of the competitions, the live competitions on TV that have to do with singing, whether it's American Idol, The Voice? You guys watch any of that stuff? America's Got Talent, right? Okay. Now, I'm sure you guys have experienced this. It happened a lot with American Idol. So like way back in the day when it started, Simon Cowell was like the bad guy. You remember, you know? Um, but what would happen is you would have these singers, and Mike and I were talking about this yesterday, you would have singers come on the show who couldn't sing. Like, and it was obvious, everyone knew that they couldn't sing, and they couldn't, they didn't have pitch, they couldn't hold a note, it was, it just wasn't good, but they would come on the show in front of the judges on national television, and then they would sing off key, and it would sound bad, and then the judges had to be the ones to tell them, oh, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. And, you know, I just don't think singing is for you, you know? And they just had to to tell them the truth, and and it was rough. And you're just thinking as you're watching this, and and the people say, well, I can't believe you said that. Everyone has always told me that I have a beautiful voice, that I'm an amazing singer. Everyone has told me that. And you're thinking, what? Who are this person's family and friends? Where are they? Surely someone cared about them enough, loved them enough to just tell them the truth. Hey, like, this is, you have other skills. You have other things you're good at. This is just not one of those things, you know? And, uh, and just in love would tell them the truth. And I've experienced this with, with our kids as well. And we, as parents, you know, that sometimes we have to tell our kids things that they might not want to hear, right? In love, we tell them the truth. They might not want to hear it. They might be a little upset by it, but it's the right thing to do, right? Because we love them, we care about them, and that's why we might correct them or warn them or speak to them and speak the truth. Uh, and Jesus was notorious for this, right? He always spoke the truth. He was a truth teller. But one thing that we know about Jesus is that when he spoke truth, his motivation was always love. Anytime he spoke the truth, it was motivated by love and care and concern for the people that he was talking to. And this is part of loving well. Protection, speaking the truth, and caring for people. So the title of my message this morning is Truth in Love. Truth in Love. We're diving into it. We're continuing in our series this morning on the law of love. And last week we talked about empathy and and gentleness in our words and how Jesus portrayed this, that he would feel with people, that he invested in understanding. And he asks us to do the same, to invest in understanding where someone's coming from, putting ourselves in their shoes. uh, And then from that place of understanding, 
love them well and share their burden to where we're not carrying our burdens alone, that we have brothers and sisters in Christ around us who will listen and understand and empathize and then share our burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And we talked about walking in tenderness and gentleness and one of the least talked about fruits of the spirit, right, is gentleness. And so that's something that God invites us into in our love walk and to not grow weary in showing compassion. So we've walked through all of these different attributes of the love of God over this series. Uh, We started with affirmation, God seeing us, caring for us, valuing us, placing value upon us, forgiveness, God washing us clean, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his incredible grace, that as soon as we turn our attention to him, that he restores us to sonship and daughtership and washes us completely clean. We talked about the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, the humility that we find in love, empathy and gentleness, and then today... We're going to talk about how love protects. Love protects. It defends people. It holds them up. It advocates for them. Love protects the vulnerable and the weak. It protects us from harm from other people. And love even protects us from ourselves at times. So we're going to look at the life of Jesus And remember, if we want to know what love is, we have to know who God is. We want to know who God is, we look at his son. We look at Jesus, who is the visible image of the invisible God. So we'll start in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You know what's funny about this is I I wrote this before I knew that the kids were joining us for the service. So it's kind of cool. So for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. And then in Mark 9, 42, he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and were thrown into the sea. That would be better. So that's really bad. He's saying, don't cause these little ones to stumble. You see, Jesus was defending he was, he was protecting the vulnerable, but he wasn't just protecting children and telling them, hey, let the children come to me. He was elevating them. He was saying, not only should they come to me, but you need to follow their example. You can learn from the vulnerable. You can learn from the weak. And Jesus prioritized defending them and protecting them was intent upon it. If you look at the parables of Jesus, He would take the outcasts of society or the people that were most vulnerable and use them as examples of righteousness. You look at the parable of the persistent widow, right? A widow. He used the widow as one who was the example to follow. She was persistent. And he says, this is how you need to pray. Be like this widow. He used a tax collector as an example of righteousness. When the Pharisee and the tax collector came to the temple, 
And the tax collector wouldn't lift up his eyes, but he beat his breast and, and, and says, uh, have mercy on me, a sinner. That, that, that man went home justified, so he elevated the tax collector as an example. And then you see it in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, a beggar. And he uses him as an example of one who was righteous. So Jesus always highlighted those who were vulnerable, protected them, and even inspired people to be like them, follow them. There are things you can learn from them. And he emphasized this in Matthew 25, the passage on uh, caring for the least of these. Jesus was saying, listen, this is what we do. As people of God, we protect the vulnerable. This is what love does. So Jesus constantly brought attention to them, prioritized them, making sure that they were not forgotten. He was their advocate. And he would speak up for them and protect them. And then, so he would protect the vulnerable, but he also protected people from harm. You see this in a number of stories in the Gospels. Uh, the woman in Luke 7, when he's sitting at a dinner with Simon the Pharisee, you know, you know the story of the woman who comes and she's washing his feet as he's sitting at the table worshiping him. And Simon the Pharisee thinks in his mind, he says, oh man, if this were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. You know, that he wouldn't let her touch him because she's a sinner, notorious sinner. But Jesus, what does he do? He comes to her defense. And he reads Simon's thoughts, which would be disturbing for Simon. <laughs> oh, wait, you, you heard that? <laughs> and he says, hey, Simon, I got something to tell you. Um, this woman, you see, and he, and he starts elevating her. He says, you didn't give me anything to wash my feet. She washed my feet with her hair and her tears. You didn't anoint my head with oil. She's been anointing my feet with fragrant oil. You didn't greet me with a kiss. She has greeted me by worshiping me and kissing my feet. This woman whose sins are many, she is forgiven because he who's forgiven much loves much. And he takes that woman, he defends her to Simon's thoughts and judgments about her. And he elevates her as an example to him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus defends, he protects, he loves us from those who would do us harm, whether it be physically, socially, emotionally. You see it in the story of the adulterous woman, right? Jesus stands between the people and the woman. They're about to stone her to death. And he tells all the people, he said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He came to her defense because of his love for her. Was she wrong? Yeah, she was wrong. But he still stood up and defended her and put himself in between those who wanted to cause her harm. And then you see it again in Zacchaeus' story. The people were judging Zacchaeus and Jesus tells them all, hey, I'm gonna stay at his house. Salvation has come to this house today. And he finds a way to elevate him. So love protects the vulnerable. Love protects people from harm. And we see this in the life of Jesus. And we also see it through his open rebukes of the Pharisees. He's protecting the people from false doctrine, from bad examples, as he would rebuke the Pharisees openly. And then he would even protect the people from themselves in the words that he gave, in the truth-telling that he had and in the words that he spoke, he would protect us from our sinful nature, our inclination or desire for destructive behavior. And he would speak out against that. Mark chapter nine, 
Verse 44, Jesus was honest. He did not mince words. If your hand causes you to sin or stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than have two hands go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. So Jesus, he didn't hold back. He spoke the truth, but it was motivated by a care and concern and love for the people. He was trying to protect them from their own destructive behaviors. Out of love, he spoke the truth. Matthew 10 you see both. He says in verse 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for, for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside what? Your father's care. And even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus speaks the truth, but always, always his motivation, his drive is a love for the people. He cares for them, and so he speaks. So what can we learn from this? What can we learn from the life of Jesus? What do we learn about love in this? Truth and love. Number one, love stands up for the weak. Love stands up for the week. In Luke 14, it says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. Verse 13, But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Again, Jesus was always looking out for the vulnerable. He was always defending the weak. It's easy in our lives to just get caught up with our life, right? With our day-to-day, with the things that we're responsible for, the stuff, are responsible for ourselves, we're responsible for our families. And it's easy to get so caught up in that that unintentionally, we're like the horses that have the blinders on, right? Where we can't see peripherally to our world. And we miss out on opportunities to care for those and stand up for those and speak for those who might be weak because we, might, we have just this tunnel vision. And it's just, it's a, it's a human thing. It's, it's part of just being human. It's easy to do. I do it all the time, constantly in that struggle, in that tension of intentionality and awareness of caring for those who are weak, bring, bringing attention to them. It's easy to get caught up. Jesus could have just carried on the work of saving the world, but he wanted the least of these to be taken care of in the process. Psalm 68, five, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. Psalms 82, three and four, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. This is love. It protects it defends. Number two, love defends and holds people up. Just like in the story of the adulterous woman, we might be someone's last line of defense. God might choose you 
to defend someone, to be the person who stands in the gap for someone else when everyone else has given up on that person. When everyone else has said, you know what, they're too far gone, they just keep on with these destructive habits, they keep on doing this, you might be the person that God says, hey, I want you to defend them. I want you to stand up for that person. I want you to believe in them when no one else does. And this goes for people who might have very, a very difficult attitude or behavior. And it can be easy <clears throat> in conversations when people are putting someone down or gossiping about someone or their issues to just join along and fall into that flow. But we have to be intentional to stop the flow. <laughs> to defend the people who aren't there to defend themselves. And so when we hear negative things being spoken about someone, our job as followers of Christ is to stand in the gap for that person. They're not there. They can't defend themselves. So we need to stand up and defend them. Now, their actions could be wrong. Okay, well, let's start with understanding. Maybe it's not, we're not defending their behavior, but we might defend their value as a human being and affirming who they are, that they're still a child of God and God still cares for them no matter what they've done. So sometimes God will invite us into those places and we might be standing alone in a sense on a hill defending someone and caring for someone and then encouraging, well, yeah, I, I do see that behavior, but have we thought about what their experience has been? Hurt people hurt people, right? We understand that. Maybe that person, the reason why they have destructive behavior is because they themselves have been harmed. And so love defends. It holds people up. Stepping up and defending someone when they can't defend themselves. And then lastly, number three, love cares enough to say something. Love cares enough to say something. This is hard. Colossians 1.28 says, he is the one we proclaim. Paul's talking, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So Paul's saying, that word admonish, this is something that we are called to do. The word admonish literally means to warn, to warn. Part of loving people and loving someone is warning them of coming pain, hardship, or suffering, especially when it can be avoided. Jesus was willing to say unpopular things that many even found offensive in order to protect people from harm. As parents, we love our kids, right? We want to protect them. We, we want to protect them from making decisions that will harm themselves or harm someone else, or especially their siblings, because that seems to be the people that are always in the line of fire. Um, right? But, like, think of it this way. We, you have, there's like a two-year-old kid, and he's running around with a butcher knife. Okay? This is a bad scenario, okay? So the two-year-old kids run around playing with a butcher knife. We don't go up to the child and reason with them. We don't say, you know, hey, I just, I know this is fun. 
you know, it's a lot of fun running with the butcher knife. Um, but I think it could hurt you, you know what I mean, potentially. Like, you know, I know I, know I don't want to, like, invade your space here, but uh, if, it w- if you would like to put the knife down, I think that would be good. I think that would be beneficial if you would want to put it down. That would be, no one talks to a two-year-old running around with a butcher knife like that. Even if it's not your kid, what do you do? Stop! Put it down now. Like there's no, there's no, you don't have to be gentle because you're saving their life, right? And so there are times where it's important for us to, (laughs) right, (laughs) amen. Look at that, man. They're in it. Okay. And this is funny because we're talking about discipline. You know, it's great. I'm so glad that they're for this. You know, this is wonderful. You parents, you're welcome. You're welcome, parents. All right. So, (laughs) one thing that we know about Jesus is that, yes, he corrects, he even rebukes, he disciplines in order to defend and protect his children. This is what drove Jesus, though, to say hard things. Again, it's love, defending and protecting them. It's his love for us. So how do we respond? How do we respond to this incredible love that God has for us? And it's a hard, hard thing at times. Um, I want to close with this. First, we need to freely receive, right? want to freely receive God's love for us. God is a good father. And the question is, are we willing to receive his protection and help, however it might come? Right? Because he is a defender of the weak, right? He's a strong tower, a refuge that the righteous can run into and find safety. The question is, are we willing to receive that protection from Jesus? It might come in, in help, There might be a time where we are the person who, we're weak. There's a season where we need help, we need support. Are we willing to receive that help? Are we willing to even ask for help when we need it? Are we willing to receive it from someone else who is is a representative of God, who wants to help us? Are we willing to receive that from God, his protection? And then when God corrects, when he speaks to us, when the Holy Spirit convicts, are we willing to receive that and trust God enough to say, I know you're correcting me because you love me. I know this conviction I feel because of this sin, because of this behavior, is because you're trying to protect me. And will we trust God enough to say yes to that correction, to receive that from him, What's even harder than that, though, is what if God's words and his correction come through a person? Can we love enough to receive correction and admonishment without becoming bitter, resentful, unforgiving, or distant to someone? What if God put it on someone's heart to speak a word of warning to you or correction to you? Are you willing to receive that without becoming bitter, 
without pushing that person away and becoming distant. Listen, some of the most transformative moments of my life came when someone loved me enough to tell me what I needed to hear, even though I didn't want to hear it. Some of the most transformative experiences came through those exchanges. A friend of mine one time when I was 16 or 17 years old, there was like this girl that I liked and stuff and, and I was like really interested in her, but you know, I wasn't dating, I wasn't doing anything wrong, I wasn't messing around, anything like that. I was still following Jesus and everything else, but I just, my passion, he, no, he noticed it kind of shifted a little bit from the Lord to a person. And I remember him calling me out said, hey man, said, you know, I know you're not doing anything wrong or anything. Like, there's kind of like this girl, she's a friend of yours, but you're kind of liking her. He's like, but man, I've noticed that, man, you just, your passion for the Lord, it's just, it's not there. I don't see it. It's like, I think you should cut it off. I think you should cut her out of your life. And I hadn't done anything wrong. Wasn't living in sin, anything like that. But he was willing to say that. And I will, I'll tell you, that was one of the best pieces of advice, of, of, of advice I could have had. And from that moment, making that decision to say, I'm all in for Jesus. And that transformed the direction of my life. Even my call to ministry. There's another time where, I, where someone loved me enough where I told a pastor friend of mine I, that I felt called to plant a church in Bakersfield, California. So random. And I just, uh, I just kind of felt like that's what God was calling me to do. And I told him and he goes, I don't think that's God. And, he just, and I was like, what? Like, I don't think that's the Lord for you, man. And he's like, I would just pray about it and go back to the Lord in prayer. He's like, because what I see is that you're a little dissatisfied in your life right now. You're a little discontent. And I think you might be trying to force something that's not God prayed, what do you know? That was the Lord speaking to me through a person. And I was seeking God. I was, but sometimes we need someone to just tell us the truth. And so are we willing to receive that and not become bitter, but humble ourselves and go to the Lord and say, God, is this you? can grow a lot in that. And then lastly, so that we freely receive and then how can we freely give? You know, so much of our world is centered around our image, right? We want to be loved. We want to belong. We want to be accepted. We want to be approved. We, we want to be, uh, we want people to like us. You know what I mean? And naturally, I mean, we all, that's, there's nothing wrong with wanting someone to like you, but sometimes our lives in our world can get so centered around that that we're not willing to speak the truth in love because we're afraid we might, someone might not like us if we tell them something that is true. But the question is, will we love someone enough to warn them of harm, even if it means they'll be upset with us? Will we love them enough? Or they might not like us anymore. Or will we love them enough to tell them something they might not want to hear? Will we love someone enough to speak the truth and love. Now remember, the reason why I talked about this now and not at the beginning of this message, because we need the foundation of 
affirmation, forgiveness, kindness, humility, and empathy before we start taking on the responsibility and mantle of correcting people. We need to come from a place of affirming, forgiving, being kind, being humble, and having empathy. And then from that place, we love. And we steward this with the fear of God. And we hold this responsibility in high regard to speak into someone's life. But God might use you to be that person, to speak into someone's life. It might be through our witness. There, there's, there's so many people who don't know Christ in this world and they need to hear the truth. So will we be the representatives of Christ and offer that truth to them or invite them to a place where they can hear the gospel and they can hear the hope of Jesus? We are called to stand in the gap for those who are lost and hurting for people who have been deceived by the enemy, that we stand in the gap for them, that we can be their defense against the enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy people. Are we going to stand up and protect and be Jesus's representatives and speak the truth in love, motivated by a genuine care and concern for them? their eternal destiny. They're knowing a father who loves them passionately and being reconciled to that father. Are we willing to stand up and protect a world that has fallen, that doesn't know Jesus? This is an invitation of Christ. This is his example. He was willing. Thank God. His disciples, they were willing. We're disciples. Will we say yes? To that call to love in this way in protecting so if everyone can we can just take a moment just bow our heads and close our eyes just encourage you ask just ask God as we always do each week ask the Holy Spirit God what are you saying to me Holy Spirit what are you speaking to me and it might be something completely different it might be something else that God's bringing to your attention in this moment because there's space for him to speak. But what are you telling me right now? Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to our hearts. Maybe God's highlighting a person in your life that he's asking you to speak into their life and have the courage to do so or maybe someone's spoken into your life and it was hard to receive but God's telling you now that was me and you need to receive that Holy Spirit we just we receive Lord your correction we listen to your voice we submit ourselves to your Lordship God Lord help us way you love. Help us receive that love and protection and defense from you or be our strong tower. Be our place of refuge and safety. And Lord, we ask God that you give us the boldness and the courage, God, to freely give out this love. And as you lead and with empathy and with care and humility, God, Lord God, give us the grace to speak out for your 
your truth. We thank you, God, that you are good. You care for us. You love us. You're a good father. And you love us, your children. We're honored by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, well, God is good. Um, man, can we give can we give a shout out to our kids and our kids' workers? You guys are awesome. They did great. I didn't even know, hear them back there except for the little amen that I heard. You know, the, yes, it's like, oh, right. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys. I love you guys. Again, thank you for everyone who came out yesterday and making this church um, refreshed and, uh, and just a really special place of worship. We love you all. Uh, again, next Sunday, we're going to canvas. We're going to go out right after service. We're going to canvas neighborhoods, let people know about the launch of VBS. It's going to be awesome. Uh, love you guys, and we'll see you next week.